0: guys not sure what number we're on 50 63 maybe Um, going to go jump right back into the old um, format we're gonna do some Facebook and Instagram questions Um, there they are piling up like you wouldn't believe there's no problem with that you just got to understand be patient with me I'll get back to you as soon as I can I'm I'm running I depending on what goes on during the day um, I'm usually getting back within a couple days Uh, two to three days is what I'm shooting for. Um, but they are really coming in between Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and email, and even text messages. And I think it's a sign of, um, it's just a sign of where we're at right now with a lot of people, things on their mind, uh, or opportunities probably to work with their dogs, issues that are coming up, things that, questions that are coming up. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I encourage it. Um, we're going to answer a few of them. Some of these are people that literally just came in today. I haven't had a chance to even message them back. I got one in front of me on Instagram here that came in at 1046. Right now it's 102. So we're getting back to this one very quickly. My response back to him was we're recording podcasts. So I'm going to answer it on a podcast. Um, part of the reason is, is he hears his message. He said, hey, Jeremy, just found out about you and really enjoyed your podcasts. Uh, while being stuck working from home this during this coronavirus. So I do think that Ben and I talked about it and we said, what can we do to help the most? And, and when, I, when I say that, I mean like during this time. Um, and one of the things that we both agreed on is more podcasts, the better. So we're going to try to do them um, more frequently. Um, I think we just posted a new one today. Mm-hmm. We had a new one go earlier this right week. It. Last week, so we're we're we have been trying to do two to three two a week is what we were trying. We're gonna to try to up that, um, but we're just like you guys. We get thrown into um, some strange situations as well. Ben woke up on Monday morning, yep. and he wasn't feeling a hundred percent, and so um, he messaged me right away. He said, "Hey, I don't think I have anything, but I am not feeling great this morning. A little bit of a scratchy throat or something, right?" Yep. So, but Ben has allergies, and so Ben messaged me. We checked with Dan. Dan works. Uh, he's in charge of our warehouse. Dan's wife's a nurse practitioner. She's like st- super dialed into this thing. And so we said, what do we do? She said, 72 hours minimum. If you don't have symptoms in the next two, 72 hours, you should be fine. Um, and so he, we didn't, we didn't do anything the last three days. So Ben, is, ben came back. We're, we're doing some filming with Bella Be Good today. Um, and we are getting this podcast knocked out and we're going to do a couple of them. So it's just my, the reason I bring it up is we are faced with these little challenges daily. Also um, I know you guys are as well. What I think is important is keep it in perspective. I think we have to realize there are way bigger issues out there that we could be forced to deal with than what we are dealing with. And, and so, but I understand that lots of little issues add up to feel like big issues. And I think we have to keep that in perspective and realize it. I think that's has to do with like our daily life. I also think you can use almost all of these scenarios somehow, some way directly connect back to your process of training your dog. And I, I, I've said that in the past, I don't know that there's a better time to use it as examples. Um, because what I think this is an opportunity is for, we are all in the same boat, Relatively, uh, all in the same boat here. Now we all have our own little micro uh, battles and things that we have uh, impacting us. No different than our dogs. We're all in the same boat generally when it comes to raising a dog, but we all have our own little issues. I have my own little issues. I just posted a Bella be good. Uh, in that Bella be good, she. I watched it. I typed up my little text for it, and I recognized and realized. Man, that was a really good session uh i fell that was about the only bad thing i saw was i fell on my on my butt um, backpedaling i slipped on the ice i fell down i got soaking wet it, it wasn't by any means planned uh i wouldn't that, that's the one thing i'd say well i should have been more careful backing up on the ice but the dog's performance was great and i know what happens next because i did it and in in the coming episodes probably three or four episodes we run into two or three anyway we run into an issue with her going back to the same spot to make multiple make multiple retrieves back to back to back to back and so she got real good at one when i would send her back for a second she would all of a sudden lose the confidence in me saying there's something there to go get. You can't have that. I have to have her trusting me and, and eventually we're gonna send her on a blind retrieve. And, and if I don't, if she doesn't trust me that there's something there, she's not going. And so first, before you go from a single retrieve or a trailing memory or a mark, and then all of a sudden blind retrieves, that's too big of a jump and the dog is not gonna be able to do it and the dog's not gonna trust us. And so what I do is I build, build this step in where we go, okay, you make one retrieve to a spot. Now you're gonna go two where you're going to pick one, come back, I'm going to send you back, go pick another one. And I'll let her see it. She she should know there's two there, but for whatever reason, mentally, she goes, eh, I already picked it up. Now there's another one. You got to go get it. And then all of a sudden she does that repeatedly and goes, yep, I trust you. You tell me there's two, I'll go get two. But then I ask her to go get a third. And she goes, nah, I already got them, Dad. No, there's a third. So we start. Every time we, we add a layer of complication to it, we have to develop her trust in us to believe when we say something you should do it. Um, It's, it's a combination of the relationship that we're trying to form and develop with them. And then it's a combination of the idea of we do something over and over and over again. It becomes a habit. It's habitual. They can't help but do it because their impulse is to do it. And so that comes through repetition and consistency. It does not for us come with fear and force, I think that is a major difference between what we're doing and some of the stuff that, um, a different style of training is different. There are other, there's a lots of styles of training and I'm not saying one's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm saying we use this style. It's been successful for us. I want to share that. I'm not saying you have to do it this way and I'm not saying you can't do it another way. I do think that a lot of people don't recognize or realize that there are other ways because I know that, um, Certain ways have been marketed really well. Uh, Certain ways have been adapted by certain groups, adopted by certain groups, have been adapted to certain scenarios, um, games in specific, specific terms. And I'm talking trials. Trials, competitions, they require a set performance of dogs by the dog, and they're judged on it. It's a, it's a measuring stick. It's a, a level playing ground where you can compare apples to apples pr- typically because the setups are identical in order and that style of training requires a lot of things. I'm getting a little bit on a rabbit hole here, off in a, to a different direction, but that's that style of game requires because of how they set it up which in my opinion goes against a lot of things that dogs do naturally well and make sense from a hunting standpoint but in order to do it you have to they there has been some styles adopted that create success and so some of it is using force which is somewhat painful i think it's a, a leverage of fear to the dog don't you know avoid punishment by doing a behavior where I look at it and I go, I want the dog to do the behavior because of it for a different reason. I want the reason to be a, we've done it so often. We've done it. So, so many times in a row, it's become a habit that becomes impulsive on their part. So we did it a lot of times and we did it a lot of times with success where all of a sudden now, I mean, I'm not even embarrassed to say this, I tell, I'm putting it out there, I tell my dogs to hurry up when we go to the bathroom. We take them outside, I tell them, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I start doing it when they're very little puppies. I will be 100% honest with you. I do it all the time with all the dogs. Well when I'm, when I'm up north, especially, even at my house here uh, in the backyard, we don't have neighbors, I go outside and I tell the dogs, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, it makes me have to go to the bathroom I'm not joking. I, there's a lot of times where I pee too, because I go, now I, I control it. I don't have an accident, but I, I let them, Ben thought that was good. I, I get to this habit of letting them out and telling them, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And they go and I go, I gotta go too. And, I, and I, it beca- it's because we do it so often. And so anytime you do something so often, it becomes just your body adapts to it. Your body says, this is what happens when this happens and it's triggered. And so it's a mental thing and a physical thing. And so that's to me how I want to shape behavior with dogs. The other reason is, is because I want them to look at me not out of the idea of I got to go do this or he's going to do this to me. Instead, I want them to say, I got to go do this because he said that I should go do this. And to me, that's respect. So there's a big difference between respect and fear. I respect, I think you earn respect by giving respect. I think you get respect back from people and your dog the more we respect them. I think, and I don't, to me that's the the style is not fear tactics. It's not bullying. It's not overpowering. It's not becoming this. I do think you need to be a leader. I don't think you need to dominate a little puppy. Um, So that's, we're getting a little bit off. uh, We went kind of in a different direction, but back to the idea of sending the dog repeatedly um, to the same spot. That's the reason they do it. They don't do it because they're afraid. They don't do it because they're going to get smacked in the hind legs if they don't get out quick enough. And and so you're going to start seeing that in the Bella Be Good series. If you've been following along, I think, I ju- I think we just did... F- I just did a 47 promo, but we're, live promo but we're live all the way up to 52 on YouTube. So I slowly put the promos out on Instagram and Facebook. YouTube is the home. And so YouTube, Ben puts one out every other day. He puts out a Bella Be Good. So if, you are, if you're new to our podcast, Bella Be Good is a video series that we are doing on YouTube. It's under a playlist called, called Bella Be Good. Um, we've got several playlists that I recommend on YouTube. Uh, but anyway, that if you want to stay up to speed with Bella Be Good and not five, six episodes back based on my promos through Instagram uh, or Facebook then I would recommend subscribing to the YouTube channel when he's also got a little thing. Now, when you watch the video in the bottom corner of bottom the video, you can click on a little, little icon there. looks like a play button and it says subscribe. And now you're, then you're subscribing to the channel and the, that will give you notifications of when Ben puts a new one out. Not only will that help you, uh, with Bella be good, but it'll also help you with our new series that's out there. A look inside the dog bone workshops. We decided to do that recently because of exactly the reason I'm getting so many questions because a lot of people are at home right now and have some time mm-hmm. to get ahead or maybe caught up with some of their training stuff so that is another resource out there that I think would be valuable for you from a YouTube standpoint now let's get to the questions because there's a bazillion of them so this one here's here's a question it's a great question I have not responded back to her she sent it to me at 9:44 this morning her name is Megan Steinman I've exchanged messages with her uh, she sent me videos. She's got a young girl, daughter, it looks like, that um, is very active, actively helping in, in the training process, which I recommend inc- involving your family. You're you're not the only one who lives with the dog if you've got a family living with the dog. So I do recommend everybody get involved in a positive way. Um, the idea of consistency and repetition, forming habits isn't just in the behavioral stuff. It's in the idea of Everyone, everything, every time within your house. That's a consistency factor that has a major impact on your dog's success as well. So when you can get multiple people involved being consistent, all the more your, your training will accelerate. Um, so I'm scrolling back and I've got messages back from Megan back into January. Um, so lots of different questions, uh, but the latest one any tips? So her pup's five months old, which I just looked at this video she sent me, I guess. I was going to say the puppy looks older than that. Um, but five. So the puppy is five months old. So way back in January is when we first started guessing, getting messages. Um, it was with our 13-week-old. So she had a 13-week-old, so that was about three months, a little over three months. So that makes sense. The last two months we've been getting messages. Um, she show she started out with some place training. She's had some success with that. Um, she had some questions regarding the adjustable leader, um, that she sent me some videos of heel work, getting better at her heel position. The oldest wanted to get in the training too. She's a natural. That's the daughter that got in on the, on it. So, um, here's her latest question. It says, do you have any tips for whining, for a whining pup about five months and whines quite a bit on place at times? So we have had quite a bit of we've talked a lot about crates and kennels. Cause we've had a lot of people, I think we just did a puppy one yep. about crates and kennels, keeping, keep figuring out how to get them quiet in the kennel and get past that initial surge of whining, barking, crying, fussing. Um, and I always tell people, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, set the dog up to su- succeed. That means you're where you put your kennel, how you got your kennel positioned, covering the kennel, not distracting him, all that stuff. This is different. And, and so when you're on place, and I've gotten this message, so I'm glad Megan asked it. I've had probably three other questions that had to deal with this, not necessarily whining on place, but barking on place. People that have the dog barking on their, on place. They get on the on the on the bed. They look and they bark at you. Watch, watch um, live with Spry, which is another playlist that we have on YouTube. The very first one, I think she, we we started filming it when we put her on place. She was seven weeks old or something like that, very close to seven weeks old. She barked at us a little bit. That I ignored because she was pretty little. She settled in pretty quick. I'm pretty sure I just ignored that. I do not ignore dogs that bark at me. I take swift, crisp correction immediately. I don't allow it. So I look at I look at a little puppy that sits on its bed, comes to the edge, looks at me and barks they make all this noise they fuss they are talking back it's like a little spoiled brat talking back to you and I don't allow it to me it's completely we talked about this idea of respect just now how I need to respect the dog that, in order to get the respect back I think it's a mutual thing I don't allow a little dog to disrespect me and that is very disrespectful so what do we do so she said Do you have any tips for the whining? Now, the whining is a little bit maybe different scenario. Um, But we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But it says, sometimes I can tell it's because she needs to go out and use the bathroom. Other times, I think she would just rather go play. Is it best to ignore? So after reading the entire question, it is shining a little bit more light on this. Let's talk about the barking pups. If you've got a dog that barks at you while it's on place or anywhere, not the kennel, the kennel is a different story. But if you've got a little dog that's and not tied out, tied out is another story. They're just barking to get off. We, we ignore that. If the little dog sits in the room and comes up to me and barks at me, I don't allow it. And so what I do is I don't lose my cool. You can't let your emotions take over this. I talk a lot about when you... It's about praise and correction. You got praise at the right time, you got to correct at the right time. When I say correct... It's shaping the right behavior. It's writing them. Okay. So not always negative. And sometimes it's actually a positive, a correction. It can be positive. It can write them, put them in the right direction, get them and understand, have them understand what is desired as opposed to what they are doing. So I use the word correction. And I think a lot of times we have to be careful with the explanation of what a correction really is. It is connected to negative pressure. There's no doubt about that, but I think we have to realize the levels associated with it. And so, this—if I correct a dog, very quick, clean, crisp—we almost at the right level, you get a change, you get a change in the behavior. That's when I know it's right. So a little dog barks at me. First off, I come with a very strong "No, no, 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 no." That's enough. It's a growly, no, 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 no. It's That doesn't hurt the dog. That can scare the dog. It can come a little bit. It can get to them a little bit. Now, you got to be careful. Like, I don't know what level your dog takes. So that is something that you need to start recognizing and assessing immediately. I had a guy that I was messaging with last night. It was actually that guy that you know. I was talking to him. He was sending me messages on Instagram about, and I don't remember, it was... Something to do with hold conditioning. His was, but his dog quit retrieving at one point. So they got into hold conditioning. And he was doing really good. Then he quit retrieving. And I said, "What do you mean by quit retrieving? Like he won't go pick it up?" Now yeah, he just lost his lost his desire to even pick it up. He won't. He doesn't want to do any of that stuff anymore. And so I said, "Is he a soft dog?" And he said, "Yeah, he's really really, really soft." I think. I said, "Here's part of it. I don't know because I wasn't there. I didn't see it." I think we have to understand that one. When we correct a dog, if you correct them too much, you can really put their fire out. If they're soft, you can really, I like, I prefer a soft dog. I prefer a dog that gives to pressure very easily. That's my personal preference. I don't like one that flops. I don't like one that rolls over and quits, but I, I, I like a dog that, that responds to a relatively light amount of pressure. Because I don't like to put a lot of pressure on the dogs. So that's a good fit for me. If you don't, if you put too much on the dog, you, you can shut him down real quick. This guy with his retrieving issue, I said one of the things you got to keep in mind is you want to be firm, but you don't want to break the dog's spirit. You don't want to shut the dog down because mentally they are not going to learn. They will quit. They'll quit. And the reason they quit is because they say, I don't want to make another mistake. Look what it's done to him. It's gotten him this mad. And sometimes this mad is just raising your voice too much. They don't know. They think they think whoever if I get on a super soft dog too hard with it. No, 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 no. Sometimes that doesn't even dent the dog, doesn't even get him to look. Sometimes that shuts them down. Now I'm talking about two different styles of dog. So you have to figure out where you're at, where the pressure, amount of pressure to get the changes and then monitor that. And then my goal is change the behavior and then next time use less, next time use less, next time use less. No different than heel work. Correct. The first correction needs to count. And then from there, I get a little bit softer with each correction, as long as behavior is being formed and shaped properly. So with this, you get on this puppy, I get on this puppy with a growling no and it's gotta be effective. I also will pick them up. I will literally pick them up by, just behind the back of their neck, the scruff of their neck. It's a ton of loose skin. I pick them up. It scares them. I pick them up with a sharp growling. No, and I give them just a little shake, not much. And I know what people are envisioning me tossing. No, I'm not tossing the dog. I'm picking the puppy up and going, no, 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 no. And then I set the puppy down. And what has to happen is you can't allow you yourself to get angry. This is not an anger thing. This is a it's against the rules. You've broke the rules. I'm going to correct it. And as soon as you're done, it's done. It's not something you hold inside of you anger-wise. I see way too often people make corrections to their dogs because they made a mistake and they don't let it go. And if you don't let it go, your dog knows you're not letting it go. Here's the reason why pressure on and off works. Because when you put pressure on, they understand that that changed like whatever it was that they were doing led to pressure might be a correction of the neck with a lead it might be your tone it's whatever it is but whatever preceded that pressure is what triggered it and whatever their behavior change when their behavior changed because of it so the the idea is change their behavior they change the behavior and now the pressure is gone if you get pissed off at your dog every time you correct them and you don't release that anger, shouldn't be anger in the first place, but if you don't release it, some people do. I, I have seen people train dogs that I swear to God, they're just pissed off at the world. All they do is nag at the dog, and it's just a... It's just a I watched this one video where there was a distinct difference between two, two trainers. One guy was a grumpy son of a bitch. I mean, he was just ornery. And everything he did with that dog was going to be that way the whole time. And you could just tell. And the dog never let his ears come up. He had his ears down. He was tucked down. He was scared shitless of the guy. And then there was this other guy. Same exact training style. These two guys are in the same video. They're demonstrating for the same video. This guy has the exact same style of training. He's promoting it exactly the same. But his correction changed his body language. The dog responded, and then his body language changed, and he went back to normal human being. And the and his dog did a thousand times better, and I w- enjoyed watching him a thousand times more because I went that guy is a normal human being. He I see when he changes, I see the response from the dog, and then I see him change back, go back instantly to being a normal human being, and he praised, he praised normal. He didn't get too excited when he praised. He was he was like he, the amount of adjustment with his personality was minute. You could see him you could see him firm up when he needed to firm up. You could see him get a little softer when he needed to be softer. This other guy was angry all the time. So he was over on the right-hand side of anger all the time. And then when his dog did something good, he was almost like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He was just a nut. He was just a weirdo when it came to praise. And I'm thinking, this son of a gun is unstable. That's me watching it. My dog, your dog can read that better than us people can read stuff. But I literally watched it and I went, why would any dog follow him? He's unstable. I'm I'm a little bit afraid of whether we got a happy him or a sad him because he, or a mad him because he's like he's angry. He's an angry dude. And so when you start working with these dogs, it's this idea of get in the middle and stay in the middle as much as possible so that when you get to when you have to put a little bit of correction on, they see the change, they recognize it and then forg- and then forgive them pretty quickly, like instantly. Don't have this inability to let stuff go. Don't hang on. Don't hold grudges. I talk about not holding grudges against dogs a lot because I think we have a tendency to go into it. I, I watched this, this horse trainer that I, I've never ridden a horse, but I really like this trainer. His name is Buck Brandeman. and. A guy called me once and said, Man, you kind of you kinda of remind me a little bit of Buck Brandon. In hindsight, it was probably one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten. I didn't know who Buck Brandon was at the time. But I bought these videos of his and I watched them. And he brings he talks about with a horse, now a horse is a lot bigger, so right away it's like this physical thing, this intimidation factor that you have to get past. A little bit different for us with our with our little dogs, typically. But one of the things he talks about is how so many people walk into this corral or whatever you call it, this ring that they're training horses in. And he says, they walk in with this gladiator mentality and I'll never forget those words because I think I've seen that where I've seen that where folks getting going to go get, train their dog. And so they go and they put their training gear on and it's like, they're suiting up for battle and they like, change their mindset and their mentality, and they walk into this like, now you listen to me. I see it. And I just don't understand it. To me, it doesn't, we don't need to look at this as a challenge of a gladiator type situation where we have to just be this big dominating force. I, I think there's a lot of value in us figuring out how to be a little more level throughout the start the middle the end of a training session and then transfer that to being in the house then transfer that to being with your kids to being i need to, i need to work on this stuff i'm working trying to work on this stuff all the time because i find myself i get angry um, i'm trying to think what was pissing me off earlier today um oh spry wouldn't come spry wouldn't come spry's on a bed What? Well, what well, was the was I hold, I was holding on to the baby. Yep. I was holding on to the baby. I'm working off of the love seat, uh, because we're we're setting up in this in our house right now to be doing this work stuff. And I'm and I'm holding on to a baby in one arm. I'm trying to get Spry to come off of the one bed and go onto a different bed. She wouldn't come. I'm getting pissed, and I literally I lost my cool, right? I mean a little bit. I lost my cool. And I went over and I grabbed her and I said, get over here. And I'm and she's the whole time I'm sensing <laughs> I, she knew I'm, I'm hitting this boiling point. And how come? Because I had too many things that I was trying to do at one time. I got a baby on my arms. I'm trying to type an email in one hand with a laptop on my lap. I got a dog that's not listening to me. And all of a sudden these one, two, three, four things are starting to pile up when I should have just said, okay, put the computer down. Do something with the baby. Figure figure out my stuff before I start getting pissed off at Spry. Because as soon as I started getting angry, she shut down. And so it's an example that happens to me regularly. I, I am not ultra smooth, cool, level-headed all the time. But I also marked that in my mind and said, don't be such a dumbass. Settle down. It's not the end of the world. Learn- now I need to learn from it. If I just go back and do it again it's one thing to recognize it. It's another thing to recognize it and make a change. If you recognize your faults and they're your faults, they're not your dog's faults. They're yours. If you recognize your faults and then you change them for the better, improve, that's becoming a better trainer. If you recognize your faults and you just keep doing it, it's, it's being an idiot. It's not making the appropriate changes. It's, Good for you for recognizing it because that's step one. A lot of people don't recognize it. And, and, and a lot of people, not only do they not recognize it, they may recognize it. But what might be even worse is the idea of they deny it. You know, I, I think that is part of it, too. You, you know you're acting in a way that isn't going to gain anything for you, but you continue to do it and you pretend it's not. That, to me, is another issue. So those are personal things. Those are not dog things. Those are personal things that we have to deal with as trainers. Um, Now back to the pup whining. So I'm going to correct that dog that barks on the bed at me. And and, and so it's measuring. It's it's going back and listening to what I just blabbered about for 20 minutes. It's measuring the idea of how much is enough to get a change. Don't hold the grudge against the puppy. Remember when the puppy, because I had this one guy that sent me a message. Asking me that question, dog was barking at him. He was a little puppy too, a little yellow dog barking at him on the bed. He knew that I wasn't, he wasn't supposed to pay attention to it and ignore it because he had heard me talking about it in the kennel. I said, no, in this scenario, I do change it. Here's what I do for the correction. He did it. He sent me a picture and he goes, I cannot believe the difference. Wow. And the puppy is laying there. This was instantly after he made the firm solid correction. And then he sent this picture and he goes, I can't believe the change. And so then I responded back right away and I said, praise the dog. Let the dog know that that is what you want. Because that little dog just didn't realize that it wasn't allowed to backtalk. And that's the first time it realized it couldn't. Because the other thing about little dogs is they are wired to test at times. And if you're not showing them a real solid leadership, they're going to test you. And most people that are having problems with the dogs that are emailing and we're getting these questions from they're typically part of the problem is stems to the idea of maybe not the best leader. You're not, you're not filling the role as the best leader. The dog is calling you out for it. How do you respond? Some of it, most of the times is because people don't realize it and they just don't understand it. That's why we're trying to do these podcasts. But when the dog, when you do make a good, Good adjustment. The dog responds well. As quickly as you corrected them for making the mistake in the first place, you need to be there to say, good. And sometimes that's all it takes is good. Sometimes you get dogs that you need to give them a little bit more. Good. Very good. You watch any of the stuff I do with the dogs and you're going to see, sometimes my praise is minimal. Sometimes my praise is through the roof. It's all based on what they did to precede it. If I tell a dog to sit that knows how to sit and I tell it to sit and it sits down, you're not going to see me go nuts. You're not going to see me get this dog all wound up about sitting something that they know how to do. If you see a dog do something that they've never done before, they've struggled with to figure it out. And all of a sudden they do it. It's that breakthrough moment where they actually did it. They did it right. You see me treat them like they, you know, won, won a big race, like they saved the world. Like I really give them a lot of praise and they look at me and go, wow, this is awesome. But after we do it enough and it becomes habit, then I start to scale that back. The reason I do it is for two reasons. I don't want to overboil them. I don't want them to get too excited. They lose focus and then whatever we just did is lost. It doesn't stick. It doesn't retain. The other reason is, is because if I give them the huge standing ovation for everything that they do, what am I going to do when they do something special? I can only give them so much praise. So I back the amount of praise down as it becomes a habit because it's not necessary anymore. And I need to save that real good praise for when I need it. It's no different than correcting. I don't correct a dog super hard all the time at one level. That can be the same correction as, no, you don't. It's just a different scenario, different timing, different thing that preceded it. I get dogs that know a little bit better and that can be enough. Good. And then I back it up with a real soft praise when they do it right. You watch any of the videos that we're doing, you're going to see that tone, 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 tone makes such a big difference. So this, now this case with Megan, so I'm off track again, but Megan has the tips for a puppy whining five months old on place. Here's the big thing that stands out to me. Sometimes I can tell it's because she needs to go to the bathroom. Well, then let's let the dog, you know, that is a, I don't praise that whining, but I thank the Lord that she's not peeing on her bed. I think it's a great thing. So I think we have to recognize that and understand that. Now, the other time when she says, I think it's just that she would rather go out and play. Is it best to just ignore? That's a coin flip. I might ignore it until it gets to a certain degree or level. Soft little whimpering and whining, I'm not going to make a big deal of. Because she's going to go, oh, that got my atten- that got her attention. You'll hear sometimes in the background here where we're doing a podcast, a dog of mine make a little, <sighs> Taylor does it all the time. She does these deep groans and sighs. It's just such a rough life where she's living on a bed and doing nothing. And she'll do these deep sighs and moans. I don't give her a ton of attention until, unless it gets to the point where it is too much. And then I'll say, enough. And that's usually about it. So the, the idea of how much, when, where is really driven by level of whininess. If it became so much that it was almost like this barking, I think there's a difference between whining and barking to a degree. Barking, when I and what I'm talking about is barking like you, that dog staring me down and making loud yaps at me. That is smart talk. That's talking back. The idea of whining and putzing and fussy and antsy. And that is not the same as looking at me and barking at me. But if it gets to be too much, too consistent, too amplified, too much, I might do the exact same correction. That's enough. Enough. And then see how the dog responds. Because if the dog goes, (sighs) deep sighs, lays down, then you say, then that was the right correction. And you say, good. And you don't give them too much because you don't want to get them excited again. So it's there's no black and white answer to this. The whining part, there is a black and white answer, I think, to the barking part. Put a sharp correction to it, and it's probably the last time you need to do it. If you don't do it crisp, you don't do it strong, you don't do it with a lot of backbone, you may end up just firing up the dog even more. You'll know. You'll find out real quick. Uh, be as quick to praise as you are to correct. So now that's Megan's question. Megan, I'm going to have you... I'm going to send you a message. I'm going to have Ben do it right now so that I don't forget. Ben, just send her a message. Just say, hey, we just answered that on a podcast. Um, Send us your address and your t-shirt size. We're going to send Megan a t-shirt for helping us out. Now I'm going here. I'm going to Instagram. This is getting a little long, so this one will be a little bit quicker. Jeremy just found about you. Really enjoyed your podcast while being stuck at home from the coronavirus. Um, that's why we're doing more of these. And I think that's why we're getting so many questions. Got a seven month old American Brittany. She's mainly going to be a pheasant dog. Just curious if I introduced her to antler scent at the same time I've been training her on pheasants. If that's too much for a young pup, thanks. I don't know specifically with your dog, um, Logan. I don't, I do it myself. I'll, I'll, I'll mix up scents. I'll mix up different scenarios. I'll mix up different dummies. Now, seven months is pretty young, um, I personally don't think it hurts him at all. Now you got a Brittany that you're going to pheasant hunt with, and I'm assuming you're going to have that dog be pointing. So I do think there is a difference from a approach of training a pointing dog from an upland standpoint than a flusher. There's obvious differences. So I would, I, from, and, and I'm going to learn more about it because I'm, we're working on, um, Well, it's been delayed a little bit, but we're working on a visit to a kennel that we're going to be probably working with. We're looking at getting a setter. Um, We're going to be looking at doing some upland stuff, um, some pointing dog stuff there. I'm going to learn a lot more from that. I'm actually going to be um, later today talking with a buddy of mine who is a pointing dog specialist. Uh, That's what they do. Um, And we're going to be looking at possibly doing some teaming up with them on some stuff here in in the near future. But so what I have researched on the pointing dogs is... The idea that, God, is such a natural part of what they do. Um, there's very You don't train much of the point. You bring it out. Uh, I think it's very similar to the idea or concept of, I don't train a dog to retrieve. I bring it out. The, these retrievers have a lot of retrieve. <clears throat> so I guess my question back to you would be, partially, what are your intentions with it from a shed standpoint? Do you want them to point sheds? I know people that have had them do that have had their pointers do it I've had people train their dogs to sit next to sheds they don't want to pick them up I've had people train their dogs to bark I don't get into that because I, I think it's a slippery slope we start we talked a lot about vocalization here today I don't get dogs I don't excite or ask dogs to become vocal I think it's a real um, turn off to me I don't I don't I, just, I like a quiet dog that you don't even know is there that's uh, we've got a lot of dogs uh, relative, not a lot but we've got a few. I mean, we own three. We've always got one or two here in training. They all live in our house. I can't tell you how many times people come to visit our house, and then by the end of the visit, they go, "I totally forgot you even had dogs here." Like this is the craziest thing. This is Joe Exotics Zoo. Like Ben just watched it, so I gotta reference it as much as I can. It's good stuff. This is the you know the the Tiger King, is that what it's called? Tiger yep. King. So you know we have a lot of dogs that are in our house, and most of the time people don't know that don't know it at all. And I like it that way. I try to keep it that way. So I do, th- I do think that, you know, I've seen people train their dog. They want to go have them bark and they find a shed. I don't, I'm not interested in that myself, but I, I think it depends, Logan, on your plans with your dog, um, how you're going to approach it. I have had a friend that has a pointing dog that works their pointing dogs. And literally, they work their pointing dogs in a field. Now, they, they, they trained for this. Um, they worked their pointing dogs on pigeons out of launchers, dummy launchers, and they had their dog pointing a scented antler. And so, can they do it? Yeah, I think a pointing dog understands that certain things are worth pointing. Certain things are not. When they're little puppies, I've seen pointing dogs point at, leaves that blow across the yard. I've seen them point butterflies. I've seen them point all sorts of strange things when they're little. And I think it's just because that instinctive natural point comes out and they start, but there's certain, but, but that fades away. I don't see experienced pointers pointing butterflies. I I just, you just don't see it. You don't go certain things throughout the training process. We steady up, steady them up on. They get some type of satisfaction and reward for that steadiness, for holding that point. So, I mean, there's lots of different variations when it comes to a pointer, but I think you need to decide if you're, I'm assuming you want your dog holding point on pheasants. You may want to look at incorporating the scented tennis balls, the scented dummies with with a, a seven month old. You may want to mirror that behavior. That's my personal thought. it all depends some I know some pointers I I know some guys that have pointers that are some of the nicest flushing dogs I've ever seen and it's not I don't think they want them to be but they are I've had one guy I hunted with one guy that laughed and said boy you should have seen the German short haired flusher I was hunting over the other day it was fantastic and I I kind of it caught my attention I went what he goes yeah man GSP and boy was it a flusher I think you know that happens it's I'll heavily, heavily due to training. So depends on what you want to do. It depends how you want to do it. I don't see an issue with it. Um, if if it's me, it would be you know my gun dogs. We do quartering and casting with them, which is an upland thing. We also do steadiness and lining with them, handling with them, hand signals with them. You know when I say handling. So we're gonna do all that stuff, and we start building it all in. Um, you know, relatively early on in conjunction and following with a good foundation, a lot of that stuff overlaps. And so I, and I think the sequencing of it is dependent on lots of variables. So, um, to me, I don't see a risk in it. I think you got to look at it and go, what's my style? What's the style I'm going to look for as far as a training approach to it? Um, but I wouldn't be too concerned of it. In fact, I do stuff like it all the time. You know, I've, 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 Bella right now has retrieved scented tennis balls with everything from antler scent, blood trail scent for tracking for, she's going to be a tracking dog as well. So we use that on tennis balls. I use pheasant scent on them. I've used duck scent on them. Um, we've had her mm-hmm. retrieve, um, rabbit fur, like the fur from a rabbit. Uh, we, we hunt, we hunt, we don't do it as much as I'd like to, but we do, we'll do a rabbit hunt a couple times a year. And I'll use the retrievers to pick the rabbits for us. So I want her picking fur. Um, we use uh, hide wrapped dummies. So she's going to be picking fur that way when it comes to game recovery training. So I think lots of different items are not the worst thing. But I think the having a good understanding of what is the big goal with end goal with the dog. And then what are these steps going to do. And make sure that these steps are beneficial positive, work in the right direction, um, then I don't have any issue with it at all. So that's it for this podcast. We covered two questions and more. I mean, we had, we got off on a a little bit different subjects. Megan just messaged back. She's going to check it out. Um, and I also had Logan message back too. So this, Ben will get this podcast whipped up together and we'll get it out there as soon as possible. Um, we've got another one that we're going to do. Um, Here, I think we're going to do it yet today. We've also got some filming stuff that we're going to do. So I know you guys are all um, in, we're all in kind of the same boat. Every one of our scenarios are different. I encourage you to take this time to, you know, for specifically with your dog. Now is a great time to try to build the relationship, build the trust. Um, It comes from, I think that was not intended when I started this podcast, but we talked probably more about it than anything, the importance of you have to give the respect to get the respect. And, and to me, that's a tough thing for some people. I think some people really look at their dog relationship as a chance for them to be um, the boss. And, and I don't have a problem with that. I think you should be the boss, but I have a problem with sometimes how people approach being a boss. I think the good bosses that get the most out of employees are the ones that get right down in the trenches with their employees, and their employees look at them as not a boss or a, uh, any fear whatsoever. They look at them as a mentor. They look at them as some a leader, a good leader that's going to go, man, I can gain a lot from him. I trust how he's going to handle me. I trust how he's gonna, what he's going to ask me to do. He's not going to put me into a situation where I'm going to get into trouble. Or have have an issue. So I think being the boss, be the boss, but be a good boss. Don't be an asshole. I mean, there's a lot of them out there too. We all can relate. We all probably have run across it. I think 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 about this to end this podcast. Think about this. Think about your career, whatever it is you do. I don't care what you do. I don't care how old you are. We all have a career. It might not be work wise. It might be, maybe you might be a student right now. Think about your past. Think about. T- Maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a boss, like an employer-employee thing. Maybe it's a coach, maybe you played sports. I don't care what it is. Some type of leadership role. Think of one that was really good for you, positive, gave you a, had a real positive impact on you. Think of one that really sucked, was really poor. And think about the differences in the two and how they operated. What was the reasoning that you got a lot out of one and not out of the other? And then put yourself in position in, in perspective with your dog, and say, which one am I? Who am I? Who am I? And if you're the go- if you're the one that gets a lot great, you can improve. If you're the one that's the jerk, great, you can improve. That's the nice part about it. You control how you're going to handle it. But think about that, and then apply it. Because thinking about it only goes so far. You have to apply it. All right, that's it. Podcast sixty three. She's in the books. We're going to be doing some more, guys. Hang in there. Keep going. Keep us. Please follow us on our stuff, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Subscribe if you would. Share it. I think this is a great time to be giving. The, here's an easy thing for you to give to help someone. Share, um, share our information with somebody that you think it might help. Um, that's the only reason we do it. Try to help more people. Um, If you're listening to the podcast and it's on a podcast app or anything like that, if you could leave us a review, that'd be great too. Um, If you don't like the podcast, you can skip that part. But um, on a serious note, I appreciate all of your support. Um, Thank you for getting behind us and continuing to motivate and inspire me. I can't tell you how many messages I've gotten from people that are just literally them going out of their way to say, hey, this really helped. I appreciate it. That's it. They didn't ask me a question. They simply said that. I had a picture today of a guy that's dogs picking up a training dummy at about five months old. And he said, I can't believe how much I'm enjoying this. And I go, that's a guy that it makes sense to. He's enjoying the process as much as he does the destination. And that's a real important part of raising a puppy, I think. So good luck to you guys. Keep us posted. Uh, We'll keep doing this. Thank you.